my gosh. Look at y'all. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Hello, New Life Friday night. It is so good to see y'all. So good to be with you at the top of this new year. And as Daniel mentioned, I have had the delight of being on the Friday night team for the past couple of years. And I can say I've had many variations of career over my life, but serving y'all, loving y'all is the best thing I have ever done. And it is truly a dream come true. So that's true for those of you that I've had the delight of knowing over the past couple of years who have just loved on me, cherished me, taken care of me. That's also true for those of you who may be new around Friday night or those of you who it's your first time here, welcome home. And yes, I can say welcome home and that I love you and care for you because this is the presence of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord. We are the people of the Lord. And when we come together and worship, we have the delight of hearing from the Spirit of God. And I believe that the Lord is in this room tonight to love and cherish all of you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Tonight, I have the honor and privilege of declaring the goodness of God over your lives. And we are going to do that from Mark chapter 5 verse 21 through 34. So it's quite a chunk of scripture, so stick with me. If y'all have your Bibles, you can open them up. If you have your electronic Bibles, you can swipe over. Um, But if you're like, it's Friday, I'm not doing all of that, then for you, it will be on the screen. You are welcome. (laughs) All right, let's read. Mark 5, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus Perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we are honored that you are in this house tonight. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture, and we follow no other voice but yours. Speak to us tonight, Lord. Draw on the eternity that you have placed in our heart from before the beginning of time. 
as your word is declared from this platform to the back of the room, to those in this room, to those online, to those listening now, to those watching in the future. Lord, I pray that you would make a tent for yourself with your words and that no soul would be hidden from the heat of your love. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be pleased with this offering and that you would have direct access to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard a story once of a young woman who was pregnant with her first child. She was gonna have a little girl and she and her husband were so thrilled. All the tests were great, the ultrasound was great, the sonogram was great, and they were all set for their little baby to be due in May. But in February, something started to go just a little bit wrong. Her husband took her to the hospital and within an hour, she had to be medically evacuated to a hospital in another city so that they could take care of the labor where they were better medically equipped. And this young woman, she was lying on the delivery table, scared out of her mind, shocked, not sure what was happening. But these lyrics from a song she heard once came to mind. And it's a song some of you might know it called Because He Lives. And the lyrics in the, in the song said, as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he reigns. And that young woman looked at her husband who was holding her hand also terrified and said, we will have victory. We will have victory. Our daughter's name will be Victoria and we will have victory in this situation. Sure enough, the baby girl was born three months premature at one pound, 11 ounces. But that family had victory that day. That young woman was my mom, Sharon Lewis. Her husband was my father, Frederick Lewis. They're right over here. I love y'all. Yes. They had victory in that time. And I believe that from our family to y'all, I am standing here as a prophetic declaration of victory over your life for this day and for the rest of 2023. The story, amen. The story I read to y'all from Mark 5 is another story of victory that's been told for thousands of years. It's a story of resilience and of courage and of hope and of passion and of audacity. Like this woman who had the issue of blood that we read about, like my parents, where they were struggling with me, they were afraid. I know many of you have been terrified in your lives where you know what it's like to be in a hospital unexpectedly and the Lord gave you victory. You know what it's like to financially struggle. You're on the brink of bankruptcy, but the Lord gave you victory. You know what it's like to be in a tense marital situation or a tense family situation and you have no idea how the Lord is going to help you, but somehow he gives victory. There are victory stories in this Bible. There are victory stories in this room. And I love that we get to reminisce about the goodness of God and the victory in our lives for those of us who have experienced it. But for those of us who have come here to Friday night and are watching online and are uncertain of whether victory is possible, with this story and with the faith that's tangible in this room, I wanna say yes, it is possible. And from this text, there are three things I want to talk about tonight. The first thing, is that the stories we tell ourselves really matter. The stories we tell ourselves really matter. This woman 
when we find her in scripture, we have so much we get to learn from her. Because the thing about this woman is she had a discharge of blood. And some of you are like, that sounds painful, but I don't really know what that means. Let me tell you. In Jewish law, if anyone had a discharge of any kind, they were considered unclean. So the proper procedure would be to remove yourself from the camp for a certain amount of time until like seven days, 14 days, whatever it was. And then you could come back into the camp and then you would be clean again and move on with your life, right? So when we find this woman who scripture tells us she has a discharge of blood, technically she's unclean. But when we get to her in the story, where is she? In a great thronging crowd of people, exactly where she is not supposed to be, okay? Not only is she in this great crowd of people where she's not supposed to be, but because of her issue of blood and the fact that she was literally breaking Jewish law, she was at extreme risk of being ridiculed, ousted, maybe even stoned because she was breaking the law and doing something very wrong in Jewish culture. But when we find this woman, she is in this crowd because there's a story she's telling herself. Like there is a story my parents told themselves about the lyrics from Because He Lives. For all of you in your situations, there were stories that you were telling yourself, right? And what is the story this woman is telling herself? She had heard the reports about Jesus and she's telling herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. But where did she get that story from? At that point, that miracle was unprecedented. Jesus had done a whole bunch of stuff and that was not one of them, right? So this woman, I don't know if it was 12 years of struggle and she has tried, you know, valid physicians, some experimental physicians, and if she just somehow got some idea in her mind that this was going to be something that Jesus would do, like I, I it, it feels like a random story that she's telling herself until we realize it's not. There is a verse in the book of Malachi, chapter four. He's a minor prophet, which means he just wrote a little bit as opposed to a lot. Um, So Malachi, it's chapter four, verse two. And it says, but for those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. For those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. That was the story she was telling herself. She wasn't telling herself the 12 years of, Everyone has left me because I'm unclean. I've literally spent everything I've had. I am still hemorrhaging blood as we speak. I am an outcast. I am unclean. I am nobody. That, that would have made perfect sense for that to be the story she was telling herself. That was her circumstance. That was the reality. That's exactly what was happening. But this girl was telling herself some random story because she remembered a verse from who knows when, it had been 12 years. She couldn't be in the synagogue that whole time because she was unclean. She couldn't be around people that whole time because she was unclean. So where did she get this story from? What if when she was a little girl, she remembered her parents talking about the prophet Malachi and for whatever reason, that was the story that stirred up in her spirit. Or what if when she was around people in great community, you would think for her to suffer much, spend all, you would have to think she was a woman of means at some point. So if she was in the synagogue when she was well, 
when she was healthy, when things were good. And it was, oh, there's that verse. But for those who fear, who fear his name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Oh, well, I'm wealthy. I'm, I have community. I'm fine. Oh, but that verse stuck in her mind because one day when she wasn't fine, that's what she remembered. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. That was the story she was telling herself because the stories we tell ourselves really matter. And she was compelled to go to Jesus, which brings me to point number two. Point number one, the stories we tell ourselves really matter. The stories we tell ourselves are stories of faith, promises, the word. That's what we rehearse to ourselves. This book is filled. Pick one, open it to a random page. Pick a story to tell yourself. This is the truth. This is what our woman, our hero, depended on. And this is what we as the people of God, even 2,000 years later, depend on. So number one, the stories we tell ourselves matter. Number two, when things get really bad, we simply cannot stop. When things get really bad, we simply cannot stop. In verse 25, it says this. We're going to go backwards a little bit. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She suffered much, spent all, grew worse. Suffered much, spent all, grew worse. Some of you know what that's like. This woman was hemorrhaging blood from her body. And some of you know what it's like to be in physical pain. Some of you have chronic illnesses in this room. Some of you have a cancer diagnosis in this room. Some of you know exactly what it's like to feel your life flow hemorrhaging from your body day in and day out. Some of you, it has been 12 years. You, like, you know exactly what this woman was experiencing. You know exactly what she felt. Some of you, it may not be physical. It may be emotional hemorrhaging where you thought the divorce would make you feel better, but it's been six years and you're still waking up in the middle of the night anxious You thought, oh, well, I'm fine. He's out of my life. She's out of my life. But there's still all this little nagging stuff because you still have to figure out what to do with the kids, emotional hemorrhaging. Some of you, it may not be physical or emotional. Some of you, it may be a spiritual hemorrhaging where no matter how many Bible studies you lead, how many years you've been in church, all the good Christian things that you've done, all the check marks, it just, you still feel your life flow hemorrhaging from your body. Some of you know exactly what this is like. And some of you like this woman are like, you know what? It has been, insert long time here. It's been six months. It's been five years. Some of you are like me and you can't handle any type of pain at all. You're like, it's been 30 seconds and I'm done, right? Like it's, some of us just are, aren't cut for the tough cloth, you know, like it's, it's fine, right? But regardless of if it's been 30 seconds, if you're weak like me, or if it's been 12 years or 20 years or 30 years, and you still remember the abuse from your childhood, even though you're in your 60s or 70s, right? When things get really bad, we simply cannot stop. This woman can be our inspiration tonight. It's okay if some of you don't feel strong. Like that is not a requirement in the Christian life to feel strong all the time. We are strong in the Lord in the power of his might. We don't have to be strong in our own strength, right? But the thing that is required in the Christian life is that you keep going. God is a God of endurance. 
And so as his people, some of you are like, I'm not sure I'm his people yet. You should be his people. I'd recommend it. It's awesome, right? It's good. As his people, we endure and we keep going because when things get really bad, we simply cannot stop. This woman didn't stop. She had every reason to stop, but she didn't. But what does she do instead? Okay. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him and touched his garment. I mentioned earlier, she has a discharge of blood. She shouldn't be anywhere with people at all. But this woman goes the extra mile and not only is in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing, she wants to take it from a misdemeanor to a felony, okay? (laughs) So she's like, I'm not just gonna be among the people. I am going to touch someone and not just anyone, I'm going to touch a rabbi, okay? And I'm going to use some poetic license here. Let me move this out of the way. I don't know if y'all have been in a huge crowd of people. A carnival, Disney World, football game, movie theater, Walmart, whatever. (laughs) But a great thronging crowd is just, that's, that's a lot, right? So it might have been a little difficult for her to go shoulder to shoulder through the crowd, right? Because first of all, she was not supposed to be there. I'm proud of her for being there. She wasn't supposed to be there. But also, that's just, that's, that's a lot was happening. What if to get to Jesus faster, she goes low, gets on her hands and knees. I'm making myself look ridiculous because this woman had no shame. I have no shame, okay? gets on her hands and knees, y'all, to crawl to Jesus. And this was not like, right now I get to crawl on this nice rug, okay? That's not what she was dealing with. This was Middle Eastern dirt. Camels had pooped on the ground. People had their dirty sandals and their hairy legs. Like, and she was just like elbowing her way through the crowd to sneak attack Jesus, okay? <laughs> I am like, this was like the most like FBI, Navy SEAL recon operation. This woman was just solo on her own, on her knees, crawling her way to Jesus. Some of you know what it's like to have spent much, suffered much, but have only grown worse. And you are willing to do anything and everything to get to Jesus. But what I love about this woman is she doesn't necessarily crawl because she was desperate. She crawled because of the story she was telling herself. So the stories we tell ourselves will compel us, in her case, to break the law, but you know, to each their own. (laughs) But the story compelled her to get to Jesus. So she sneak attacked Jesus, came up from behind him, right? And it says to touch his garment. This was the garment she touched. This has a proper name, but for our purposes, we're gonna call it a Jewish prayer shawl. This is the prayer shawl that she touched. And Jesus would have worn it around his shoulders like this. So here he is going to do a miracle for somebody else. So this woman is an interruption, breaking the law and interrupted. Just, it's, it's a whole thing, okay? So Jesus in this great thronging crowd, walking this way, 
This woman is army crawling behind him. And this is the garment she was heading for. Why was this the garment? Again, Malachi 4.2, for those who fear his name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. This is what she was going for. This also has a proper Jewish name, but we're just gonna call it a tassel for our intents and purposes. It has five knots in it that represent the five books of the law, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, that's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so for this woman, she wasn't just reaching for, you know, the nice robe that Jesus thrifted, right, from from the, the market or got a good deal on. She was reaching for this. She was reaching for the word. She was reaching for the promises because she knew that that's where the healing was. The healing was in this. And what's extraordinary about this, our woman had no idea that she was not only reaching for the word, the tassel, the first five books on the law. She was reaching for the complete word, which was Jesus Christ, who was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. She was reaching for the old covenant because that's what she knew. But little did she know she was reaching out for the fullness of the whole covenant, which is the word of God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So as she's army crawling, reaches up to touch the hem of his garment, she grabs the fullness of the word and the fullness of the promises. And y'all tonight, we get to experience the power of the finished work of the cross. So she didn't know what she was reaching for, but we know what we get to reach for. Y'all who are going through painful divorces right now, my heart breaks for you, but you get to reach for the fullness of the word that says you will not be left alone, that even if a husband abandons you, that God will protect you and God will cover you. Some of you are struggling with impossible health situations, but you get to reach for the fullness of the word that says by his stripes, we are healed. Some of you are like, I think I, think I was a mistake. Like, I don't know why I'm still on earth. I've tried to take myself out. I don't know why I'm still here. But you get to reach for the fullness of the word, which says that the Lord is the one who formed you and knew you and knit you together in your mother's womb. He is the one who has plans for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. That is who we're dealing with here. That's who this woman reaches for. And you would think, so she, she army crawls, reaches for the fullness of the word, and that would be the end of the story. But our guy Mark here, who wrote the book, keeps going for five more verses. Now, here's the thing about Mark. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is the shortest gospel of all of them. It's only 16 chapters, right? And if you read the book of Mark, he is very efficient. Immediately, immediately, this happened, this happened, this happened. It is like Fast and Furious, every Marvel movie, that is Mark. Like he is like, I ain't got time to waste words. I am just gonna get to the point and move on, right? So maybe, you know, Matthew or Luke would kind of go into elaborate detail. But Mark is not one to go into elaborate detail for no reason. And he goes on for five more verses about this woman, even though technically the action is already done. And why is that? It's because it's not just the stories that we tell ourselves that matter. And it's not just when things get really bad, we simply can't stop and we keep going. 
and this woman did that, and ta-da, the end. It's because our stories really matter. Our stories tell us and tell each other something about Jesus that we didn't know before. Our stories are testimonies of who God is and the goodness that he has in our lives. So this story keeps going. And what's also fascinating about the fact that the story keeps going is that Jesus is in between epic miracles, okay? So earlier in Mark chapter five, Jesus had calmed the stormy seas, right? He was asleep in the boat. Some of you know the story. He was asleep in the boat. The disciples are freaking out. They're like, there's a storm. We're gonna die. Why are you asleep? Why don't you care, right? Jesus gets up and says, peace be still. Storm dies down. And the disciples are like, who is this man that even the wind and seas obey him, right? Epic miracle number one. Epic miracle number two. When they get to the other side after the stormy sea situation, there is a demon-possessed man who is losing his mind in this place and no one has been able to control him forever and ever and ever, right? And Jesus casts out thousands of demons out of this guy, okay? Epic miracle number two. Later on in Mark chapter five, Jesus is going to literally raise a little girl from the dead. Epic miracle number three. But in the middle, it's like one of these things is not like the other, right? So it's like, okay, there's an epic situation, epic situation, going on to an epic situation. And here we are in the middle for this seemingly random woman, outcast, unclean, literally breaking the law. She's a felon at this point, according to Jewish law. And Mark, of all people, stops to tell her story because it's not just the stories we tell ourselves. It's not just our faith. It's our stories matter because they say something about Jesus. And the thing about Jesus is that he stopped in between epic miracles to do a really quiet, intimate one. And some of you think, well, God's too busy for me, and, you know, and he's out doing something more important. You're the most important thing. I mean, Jesus literally came, he was vibing in heaven. Okay, some of you are like, what's vibing? He was having a great time with all of his angels. Everybody was worshiping him. All was going well. Okay, it was a party up there, right? But he saw that we were in trouble, went out of his way, left glory to come down to hang out in the dirt with us, become fragile, become weak, become vulnerable, because we are worth it. That's who Jesus is. And that is what he models for this woman, right? So the story keeps going because there is still something that we need to find out about Jesus, which leads me to my last point, point number three. The God we find in Jesus is really kind. Jesus is really kind. Some of you are like, I, I gave up religion a long time ago because I'm not sure about it. And even though I'm here, I'm still not sure. It's okay if you're not sure. I'm just telling you, Jesus is the best. God is the best. And you crawling your way, even through uncertainty, to reach him is going to be the best idea you've ever had. The God we find in Jesus is really kind. So in Mark 5, verse 30, it says, In Jesus, perceiving in himself that power,
power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd to see who had done it. First of all, Jesus was at peak celebrity status at this time, okay? So it's not like, you know, if I were to go to a basketball game or a football game or a concert, ain't nobody looking for me, right? They're like, we don't know you, you know? Like you have cool hair, but that's about it. Like moving on to who, who I actually came here to see, right? But Jesus is the star of the show. And let me remind you, it's a great thronging crowd. It's not like a little crowd. You know, like we're a big crowd tonight. This crowd is bigger, okay? And everyone is pressing in, jostling, right? Rushing to do a miracle for someone else. This woman had nothing to do with it, right? But Jesus perceives power has gone out from him. When is the last time this woman broke poor, not even named. The demon guy in the story I told you earlier, even he had a name. It was a demon name, but even he was named. This woman wasn't even named in the Bible, okay? No name, poor, broke, hemorrhaging, sick, and a criminal, right? But power comes out from Jesus when she touched him because of her faith. Y'all can't tell me nothing about you to convince me that if you don't reach for Jesus, he won't reach back. There, I, I know that y'all have stories in this room. I know that some of you have done horrible things. I, I, I know it. But what I know is that what's more true than your situation is what this says. And this word tells me, this word trumps yours, what this word tells me is that it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you've been, what you've done. In this situation, what this woman is currently doing, Jesus will respond to you in faith. So Jesus perceives power has left him, immediately turns around in this crazy crowd of people, like how impossible is that, right? Stops traffic to say who, who. This woman was not a who in her society. She was, I've I've been saying it, she was poor, broke, isolated, outcast. She was an it. At this point, she's a criminal, but she was definitely not a who. But Jesus says, who touched me? The disciples were ready to move on. They were like um, everybody and their mom and them and their grandpa and them and everybody's cousins. Like everybody's touching you. What is your deal, right? Jairus was freaking out. Again, it's his daughter that Jesus is going to go heal, right? So he's like, why are we stopping? My daughter is sick. All the people are like, what's happening? What's, What's going on? They're just there for the hype, right? But Jesus stopped for this woman because she has his attention. And tonight, Jesus has your attention. He has our attention. We have his attention. So he says, who? Who touched me? Verse 33, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You better believe 
she came in fear and trembling. Jesus was there, he was a rabbi. She broke Jewish law. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue was there. Who knows what he was gonna do? All of the people who were upstanding Jewish people, we can assume, were all, all of a sudden crowded around her and she's like, I don't know what's gonna happen to me. Yes, I have received healing that I've been waiting for 12 years for and it happened immediately, I felt it in my body. But also, am I about to be stoned to death? What is about to happen right now? I have no idea. I don't know what's gonna happen. So she's in the midst of this crowd on her knees yet again, telling Jesus the whole story, sputtering out this story. Well, you know, like I, I started this hemorrhage of blood and I don't know what happened. And then it was seven days and 14 days and then six months and then a year and then three years and then five years and then seven years and 12 years. And I don't know what happened. I've tried everything and I've gone everywhere and my husband left me and everybody left me and I have no one. I live on the fringes of society. You know that part of town over there that nobody ever goes to? That's where I live and I, I don't have anything. And I just heard that you were around and I heard what you've done for the blind people and I've heard what you've done for the deaf people. But then when I heard what you did for the lepers and that you even touched lepers and that maybe you could touch me, I thought that maybe since you were here that you could help me. And I just pulled on the word. I just pulled on the law. I hope I didn't do anything bad. I'm healed. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Trembling, sputtering the story in front of Jesus, in front of everyone. And what's amazing is that for the first time in who knows how long, someone is listening to her. Jesus turned about in the crowd, said, who? Found the who and is listening to her tell her whole story. For when was the last time someone had done that for her? Listened to her, cared about her, carried her story at all. The word says she suffered under many physicians. Those physicians, she's one of however many people they would see. Oh, yeah, everybody's in pain. You know, here's some medication, move on. They try the surgery, we'll see you. But she encounters Jesus. Not only is she healed, but her story is heard. And that's who we're dealing with. That's who we're dealing with. We're not dealing with a God who's just like, oh, you're just one of bazillions of people I've made. He's like, Linda, I know you. JR, I know you. Michelle, I know you. Melissa, I know you. God knows you by name, right? And this woman is unnamed in the story. But as Jesus listens to her, can you imagine the pause? She finishes. Jesus is right there looking her eye to eye. She, didn't, she had courage to crawl up behind him, grab the word, but not see him face to face. But Jesus gives her the dignity to look at her face to face. And of all the things he could have said, he could have just said, oh, well, that's bad. I'm glad you're better. Moving on. You know, I have something else to do for someone important. He didn't say that. He could have said, oh, great. Your faith has made you well. That's awesome. Have a good day. Moving on. But he hears her whole story. And in verse 34, the first thing he says is daughter. Daughter. The woman had no name, was an it, was an outcast, was a nobody. So Jesus not only says, who? And people are like, everybody, what do you mean who, right? 
he starts to dignify her, listens to her whole story. And of all the things he could have said, the first thing he said was the same thing his father said to him when he was baptized in Mark chapter three. Of all the things that God could have said about Jesus first, when he's publicly debuted, you know, as the guy, the goat, right? Greatest of all time for those of you who don't know. (laughs) Um, God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus gives this woman the same dignity and honor that was bestowed upon him by saying, daughter, first, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus took care of everything that was taken from her, not just her physical health, but her emotional health by restoring her name to her, her title to her. She wasn't just person, you know, I don't know what biblical names were, Anna, Mary, Elizabeth, whatever. Um, He didn't just give her any name. He gave her a title of belonging. He dignified her. And tonight for each and every one of you in the room, God is saying son. He is saying daughter. Bruce and Linda over here are in their 80s. It's still son, it's still daughter. Those of you who are young in the room in your 20s, it's son and it's daughter. And that is the most important thing about you. Some of you have titles that you are very proud of, which is amazing. I don't know all of them, but I'm proud of you for that title as well. Some of you have titles that you are ashamed of. And I wanna say the title that trumps anything good or anything bad is son, it's daughter. And that same Jesus who encountered that woman, who touched her and restored her, is the same Jesus who is here to encounter us tonight. Will you stand with me if you are able? We're gonna take communion. If y'all don't have communion, um, raise your hand and someone wonderful from our team will get you one. Jesus is here tonight. And just like I think he might have slowed down a little bit when our woman was crawling to him on her hands and knees to make sure she could catch up with him, I believe that Jesus is here to encounter us tonight and has slowed down between epic things that he is doing other places to do an intimate, quiet miracle for each and every one of you tonight. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus slowed down. He had just come from the triumphal entry where everybody was throwing their hands in the air and waving them like they just didn't care. (laughs) Hosanna, Hosanna, palm branches and the whole deal. And he was about to do something else epic where he was going to die and then freaking raise himself from the dead. I mean, how, like, come on, you know? 
so he, he's like, I, I was, you know, did something really awesome, about to do something extra awesome. I ain't got time for none of y'all, right? But Jesus, you know, at this point, we kind of know he has, a, he has a vibe, right? So on the night he was betrayed, he slows down to eat with his friends. And the first thing he does is take some bread. Take your bread. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take this and receive a new name. Receive the name son. Receive the name daughter. And do this in remembrance of me. You can eat. Jesus takes the bread, the new identity, and then takes the cup, which represents his blood. And as far as we know, of all the miracles Jesus did that were recorded, what he did for this woman, our hero from Mark 5, was the only blood disease he ever healed. He opened many blind eyes, deaf ears, lepers, the whole deal, but there was just one blood disorder that he healed. And part of me wonders that when she grabbed him and he felt power come out, if it was a foreshadow of the power that would come out of him as he shed his blood, that as her broken body, bleeding body reached for him, if he had a quick prophetic flash forward to when his broken and bleeding body would be hemorrhaging for us. And when he sat with his friends and said, this is my blood poured out as a drink offering for you. Take this in remembrance of me. We know that when he received those 39 lashes, that it's by his stripes that we are healed. That woman reached for power and received it. And as we take the blood, this is the same power that we get to receive for healing tonight. You can drink. The worship team is gonna lead us into a song. And as they do, I believe that we are going to enter into a special encounter with the Lord. I'm gonna pray for us that our hearts and minds would be open and that when we reach Jesus and meet him, that we will receive love from a savior. Some of you for the millionth time, some of you for the first time, but I believe we will all be transformed by the encounter. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. You are good and we adore you. God, I thank you that as you meet with each and every one of us, I pray that we would hear the roar of your love over us. God, we receive your love. We receive our new names. And I pray that as we encounter you, we will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>